With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday morning via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders have reached the exact halfway point of the season. They're currently in a playoff spot. It it varies from day to day whether or not they'll still be in that spot. Uh, there's been some good, some bad. Uh, this last week in particular was pretty bad. We'll talk about it in a second. But... Um, it's been a real roller coaster half season, and I'm almost a little bit afraid of the next 41 games on the schedule uh, as to what they can uh, hold for them. Uh, how are you feeling right now, uh, halfway through the Islanders' 22-23 season? I I I don't know how you, there's like an, a right answer to that, right? Like, because <laughs> I don't think there is. You can you can feel like a number of different ways, and I think you can make a very solid argument to feel that way, whether it's mad encouraged, frustrated, sad, like however you want to look at it. I really do think you can make so many different arguments. For me, I I kind of feel the same way I felt before the season, which is this is a team that's going to have to scrap tooth and nail to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We knew that coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's right right where they are at the halfway point. And, there's a lot of there were a lot of good moments in this first half. There were a lot of bad moments, but what you said in that thing in this in in your little uh, opening <laughs> intro there was 41 games, right? So there's still 41 games left, and right after the Calgary loss, I was really 
upset and kind of down. And that's just kind of how I feel after every Islanders loss. And then mm. uh, a couple hours pass by and the next day comes and you like start to kind of put it in perspective. And um, I think that the perspective here that I'm looking at this first half at is that it could have been a lot worse and it could have also mm. been a lot better. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it was a blown opportunity because of the start they got off to. They they banked all these points for this reason almost because we knew that the Islanders weren't going to uh, get through an entire season 100% healthy or you know, have get all the bounces or whatever. Uh, so they banked these points starting 16 and 9, whatever they were, uh, for these kind of storms. Like, like you, It's a party line in sports. Injuries are no excuse. Next man up, all that, yada, yada, yada. But you right now, like the, what the Islanders are going through, it's and it's. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but it's it's the reality is that they're just not going to be as good as what they were in November because they're missing their number one defenseman. They're missing a top six forward. They've been missing a top six forward for basically the better part of two months now. Um, and and not only a top six forward, but probably their most natural finisher uh, as mm. well. Um, and then and then they lose Holmstrom. They lose Walsh, Wallstrom. They were without Clutterbuck, so when when all these injuries pile up, like it's it's a different situation than you know just out of Pelic out in a vacuum. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I th- like that's why I think you can feel so many different ways because you can like you, you, they did they squandered a a, a cushion, and I remember mm-hmm. we were pretty mad about the way a specific sports writer who covers the Islanders said that they were comfortably in a playoff spot a couple <laughs> a couple weeks ago when we were like, what on earth is you, are you saying? This is not comfortable yeah, at all. Talk and, about him again probably a little bit, yeah. but yes, continue. <laughs> and um, like they they were never comfortable because they, they this was coming. This this comes for basically every team in the, in the NHL except for the Rangers. You're going to go through an ad, like an, some adversity and, some, and things are just going to be, you know, bad break after bad break. Uh, and whether or not you've banked those points is what makes the difference. Like last year, when the Islanders went through what they did, like they they went on that eleven game losing streak. They they had lost all these players, and they could never recover because they hadn't. You know, and from that point on, they couldn't recover because they hadn't given themselves a, like any runway. This this year they did. It's all gone now. So what all of this adds up to the Islanders being in the same exact spot basically that they were to start the season. Even if you look at the betting markets, when they came into the season, the Islanders were, were priced as a slight, slight underdog to make the playoffs. That's where they are again. Like they're yeah. just right on the 50, like a little less than 50, 50 to make the playoffs. Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would say, would you sign up for this? And coming off of last season and the fact that they didn't make any moves in the off season, people would say yes. And I think yeah. that's, that's totally fair. And then there are other people who would say, well, at first, yes, but then when you start the way they did, like you should, you should be where you know the Devils or the Hurricanes or the Lightning or the Leafs are. Like you should have a much more wiggle room, mm. which is also fair. So, like, yeah, I, I think that there's there's so many people out there who think the season's cooked, and I think <laughs> that's wrong. And I think there are so many people out there who are probably saying, you know, we're fine, and I think that's probably also wrong. Um, <laughs> and so it's like right in that middle, and yeah. It it can't it can't be understated how many games forty one games is. Think yeah. think back to the last time they played Calgary, that was months ago. Like yeah. and a completely different team. So much happens in a in a half of an NHL season. 
or, there's or so Edmonton. much time left. Right, or Edmonton, matter. right. I had, yeah. I had completely forgotten they even played the Oilers earlier this season. So. Right, yeah, and that was a crazy game. That was like the right. Sorokin 49 yes. save shutout where they actually played pretty well. And like the, the ebbs and flows <laughs> right. of the season are, are in, you know, you, you think back to, you can go as far, as far back as you want and things just change so quickly. Like they're what, they went one and three on this, this North, Northwest swing. Um, if they come back and they, they win three games in a row, like it, we're talking about a completely different season. That's just how it goes. And, mm. um, what's, what's frustrating is that the, that if it, it feels like the way it, you, you have to be either one or the other, like you have to either still think that the season is on, or you have to think that the games, you know, that, that it's over and they should just, you know, rebuild. <laughs> and we've said it a hundred times on the show and we'll say, and I'll say it a hundred times more. It's very easy for someone from the outside like Frank Saravalli, the 34-year-old sports writer, to say <laughs> the Islanders, a rebuild's coming whether they want to admit it or not because he isn't attached to the team. And mm-hmm. it's very easy for someone like, you know, Pierre Lebrun or, or Elliot Friedman to say the Islanders, you know, maybe a rebuild's coming. They should probably rebuild, which is, okay, maybe they should, but they're not the Islander fans. So, like, yeah. as a, that should be the last resort. That should be the last thing you're hoping for as a fan mm. because look around the league. Look at what the Islanders have gone through with their rebuilds. And if you cannot go through what Chicago's doing right now or what Buffalo went through for a decade, like you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So it's not like a snap of the finger solution where you say, okay, trade everybody at this deadline and rebuild. Because you do that, if if, if that's what you want, think about the next three years of your fandom. Like you're just not going to care. Like the team's going to be bad. That sucks. Well, the reason those guys say all that is because they've all caught Connor Bedard fever, uh, yeah. which was at its height during the World Junior Tournament, where he did a bunch of stuff. I'm going to be honest. I don't watch the World Junior because I don't care. Like, unless there's an Islander in it, and I know Kalo uh, Delius was playing for Sweden, apparently not very well, I'm probably not going to watch it. I don't really care. But yeah. this kid, who everybody knew was good, is even better now. And I've never seen a thing like this before where – the world junior ends and all of a sudden every sports writer with any kind of platform anywhere is all of a sudden saying half the league needs to tank to get this guy. Okay. That's great. That's, that's why you're not a general manager. Like it's just, it drives me nuts that these guys are like, why don't you just tank? Because these guys are professional athletes. Like it, it, it drives me crazy that nobody ever takes that into consideration. You can't send guys out there to lose games. They're not They're not wired that way. It's crazy to me that you just be like, oh, well, why don't they just tank and get Bedard? First of all, there's a lottery. You're only the best you can help for is what a 21 or 22 percent chance of getting this guy. Number one, number two, these guys gotta go out and win games. They don't want to lose every night. It's it's insane. But you know, again, that's the way the way uh, sports writers like to like to think. They don't really kind of consider <laughs> the feelings of of players that often. But um, yeah, you know. But getting back to to what you were saying, I, I am pulled in a number of different directions by by this team. On one hand. Yes, this team was probably expected to be a bubble team. Nobody expected them to run away with the division. That being said, so they are kind of where you would expect them to be. That being said, it is incredibly frustrating watching these guys yeah. play. <laughs> it is. the And we'll get to the power play for the fifth straight week or whatever it is uh, <laughs> in a little bit. But it's incredibly hard watching these guys fumble and bumble and stumble their way through a lot of these games. There are games where they play great. And like it wasn't long ago when we were talking about games where they played great. This week, they didn't play great in any of these games. They played six games in Western Canada, and they played good for two periods of them and walked away with with one win. Um, and so 
knowing that this team was going to be a bubble team doesn't really make, you know, going one for 36 on the power play or whatever right. it is any much more fun to watch. It doesn't make awful peer starts to games fun to watch. It doesn't make Matt Barzell being out with an injury easier to take. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. Like the season's not over. There's way too many games left to play, but I just, I don't think that like you can have blind confidence in these guys to no. get the job done because they have not shown, you know, they deserve yeah. it basically. And and you know, what's crazy. You think of, you can also look at it like that. The power plays, what would you say? Two for 36 in the last 36. Oh yeah. Something, something like, like that. that yeah. Um, it's now a bottom five unit in the league. Yeah. Not, not, and it hasn't shown any, like the, like we said, uh, that, that power play goal that they scored was an aberration. So like, right. <laughs> like, I think you can definitely credit the, the Pajot power play goal as and that was, you know, power play goal. They got the puck to the net rebound, use the extra mm-hmm. man they scored. Um, but yeah. the, the first one they scored against the blue jackets, that was just a broken play. Um, uh, so the fact that they've, they've survived, they're, they're technically in a playoff spot right now at the halfway mm-hmm. spot point even though like points percentage you look i think the best way to look at it is they're they're like three points behind the pace of the penguins and mm. uh sabers or whatever right now and um but the fact that they are this close and they're they're 100 in the mix for a playoff spot you know just mm. objectively speaking they're in a playoff spot at 41 the 41 game mark for them despite the fact that the power play has gone two for 36 in its last month and they played the mm-hmm. last month without their number one defenseman, without Palmieri, and then a bunch of games with Ross Johnston, Hudson Fashing, and Parker Watherspoon in the lineup, and, and Matt Martin <laughs> at the same time. And not only right. those guys, but, you know, like Josh Bailey's been terrible this season. Uh, yeah. Anthony Beauvillier has had... Very messed. Some, yeah. yeah, he's 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 been, I don't know, disappointing, I guess is the best mm. way to put it, because he's definitely had some, you know, moments, yeah. but he's been disappointing. And yeah. So Wallstrom the fact that they... Also- are, yeah, yeah Wall Street now. and like he's out and he's been inconsistent. Like the, they yeah. are, the fact that they are, that the season's not over, and that they're it's very much not over, and they're at the spot despite all that stuff going wrong, is also a little encouraging. Like mm. if you, <laughs> if you can survive all that and and still be in in you know earshot of the playoffs, like good, go for it. Mm. And the, the other the frustrating thing about the the rebuild talk and and uh, stuff like that is like the Islanders just they're not set up to do that like like right. they're just not and and it's what are you gonna do like you 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 look look at the almost look at the Rangers like Alexis Lafreniere the reason he's not people don't think he's playing well for the Rangers is because he doesn't get enough pa- uh, time you know ice time or power play time or whatever it's because Chris Kreider's there and, and Artemi Panarin's there and they play the same position so like y- you're gonna just rebuild that the team where you, you're going to have, you know, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, JG Pajot, all these Pelic Pollock and, 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 you know, you're not going to be able to just trade all these guys and, and get back yeah. what, what they're, what they're worth. Um, so this is a season where the Islanders are 100% in my mind, 100% a very obvious, just go down swinging contender. The GM is in the last year of his contract and he's 81. The team, the core <laughs> is old. They're or or aging, and but they're it's still good. Like they have yeah. the uh, they're really deep down the middle. They have the two best goal. They have the best goaltending tandem in the league, and their blue line on paper should be okay. Like, just go for it, then. Like if if that's that's what we were saying this last week with with this team. Like we saw this coming. Like I think everyone who listens to the show and watches the Islanders 
once that they went out West and they lost to the crack and we knew what was coming next. And that's why we were saying, just be proactive, like beat, beat, yeah. beat, beat the losing streak, like get to the losing streak before it happens. And and the way they should have done that is by reinforcing the team. And I know that's, you know, yelling at, 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 at the clouds or whatever, but they, they caught a bad break with the Barzell thing, but they lined up against the Calgary flames, a team that was, one of the best teams in the NHL last year and a Stanley Cup, a Western Conference favorite, at least this year, like top five in terms of the odds to win the Stanley Cup coming into the season. They went into Calgary on the road on the second night of a back-to-back with Casey Zizekas as the number one center, with Hudson <laughs> Fashing, Ross Johnston, Atu Ratu, Parker Watherspoon, Matt Martin, a struggling Josh Bailey, all in the lineup and all needing to play big roles because of the injuries. And the way to avoid all that is to, to reinforce the team. And that's 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 why I think you can be frustrated, but at the same time, like you can be mad at everybody involved with the Islanders, but at the same time, that doesn't just because you're mad doesn't mean that you should just be like this this you know, this is over, this team's over. You know, yeah. we we need to just start looking ahead to the to the rebuild. Like I think that that's that's just jumping the gun on a season that's still got forty one games left. And look, it by this time next week it it we, they could lose three in a row and then we can have a, a much more different conversation, but they haven't done that yet. Like, yeah. and, and what the whole point of being a fan is rooting for your team to win the Stanley cup. Hmm. And until that, that, that it doesn't. And, and you could say, and, and I'll, I, I admit fully admit like the Islanders probably aren't going to win the Stanley cup this year. Spoiler alert, but they <laughs> still have a chance. And like the whole point of being a fan is to root for them, to make good on that chance, to go on a run, to, to do that. And the one way to make sure you don't do that is by just completely pulling the shoot on the season at the 41 game mark because you're three points out and coming off of a disappointing you know, swing when you're half your team, you're, you're, some of your most important players, maybe your most important skaters, are, we're all just out. So, yeah. like, just I think a deep breath is needed. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, before we get to the actual recaps, and we will recap those games really quickly, I do want to touch on something you talked about before about being being aggressive and going on swinging and trying to augment the team. That's another thing that kind of gets me a little bit crazy too is is in the very sort of surface level um in some cases very absentee uh you know look looks we get at the team when we do get looks at them um you know a lot of a lot of what people say national writers say will be like well you know Lou he's going to he's going to do something he's always got something going you you know he he's he's not going to sit back and let all this happen and without doing something I don't think that Lou works here anymore like, no. I don't think that Lou has not been around since I would say probably about 2011, maybe even earlier. <laughs> I mean, the, the, now before everybody's like, yeah, man, you're right. Lou sucks. Just remember that, like, the Islanders two playoff runs from a couple of seasons ago would not have happened were it not for the trades for Pajot and Palmieri and Green. And so, like, you know, and he, he's the guy who drafted Dobson, drafted Wallstrom, got you know, like, over here. Yeah, you got some open over here. So kept Nelson, kept Everly. Like, there's a lot of like it's it's the same kind of argument, right? You can feel the way you want about him every way, but you have to listen to both sides again because there definitely are some some issues, and there's also some big time positives. Right, that's true, and there are big time positives, and and you know the Islanders again have been a good team under Lou Lamorello, but I don't think this is the same Lou Lamorello that will pull out an Alex McGillney or a Doug Gilmore, right? Or you know will fire his coach three weeks before the end of the season uh, and then go on and win the Stanley. Like some of those moves won the Stanley cup for them, <laughs> you know, the getting Jamie Langenbrunner and, and uh, uh, Joe Neuendijk all of a sudden 
you know, resulted in a Stanley Cup for the Devils. And hiring Pat Burns and you know, firing Claude Julian, like those those things resulted in cups for him. Um, but I don't know if the, and and part of it too is just this environment. Like again, getting back to what we were saying before, like you can't just say, well, this team needs to go in a rebuild. Who is going to take up the seven million dollar contract of Anders Lee? Like I'm not not that I'm trying to trade Anders Lee, but like who's going to take on that contract? Who is going to take Josh Bailey and his 17 points and his five million dollar contract? Nobody is taking that. There nobody trades. There are no trades happening anywhere. So I just you know I, I just I feel like again we're being pulled in a lot of different directions. Like there are positives to this team, and there's obviously a lot of negatives. There's you know is Lou trying? Is he just sitting around napping all day? No, I don't think so at all. But a, I don't think he has the appetite to make a risky move like that. And B, even if he did, this is not the environment. This is not that same NHL where you can just sort of make a cool move because mm-hmm. you know because you think this guy's good and you can get him. You know, getting uh, you know uh, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, for example, was like a that was a really bold move. And I don't think you can do that now because there's just too many salary cap considerations and just nobody's going to make those kinds of trades. I would it would be great if the Islanders could trade for Timo Meyer or Patrick Kane, but then you got to resign those guys. Right. And if you don't resign them, then you've just lost everything. <laughs> so, uh, and, I, and I that's why know. I think, I think that's why like when, when you make that, you know, that kind of, um, you know, uh, suggestion or whatever, first of all, we, like we, part of the, the way that the Islanders are covered, like you can't, there's no media pressure on the Islanders because right. of a, like their stature in the market, but also because you can't put media pressure on Lou Lamarillo. Like if you're Brian <laughs> Cashman, you're, you're hearing from the New York post, the New York daily news, the New York times, Newsday, the, the, whatever right. the Northern New Jersey papers are, ESPN, ESPN MLB Network, like Fox, eight, yeah, <laughs> yeah, eighteen different outlets and prominent writers. Ken Rosenthal is that right? Your, he's at the Islander game, and then he's visiting Brian Cashman, right? Like <laughs> this is this is it's very different. One because of the general manager, and he just doesn't you know care, and two because of the market and and the fact that you know when when the Islanders are covered even by the their beat writers, their their main beat writers, it just comes off as uh, you know, hey, by the way, this is what the Islanders did for the. You know, this is where the Islanders stand uh, as we're at the 41 game mark. Oh, all right. Like you read the standings because I did too. I know. What they, I, I got, oh, you, you looked at their stats. So you saw that Josh Bailey has 17 points this season. Yeah, I did too. Like, good job. Um, but uh, it's, since there is no media, like, like yelling out, like, that's why it's so frustrating to just be like, they, they need this and say it out loud. Because then you're like, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't. It doesn't matter that I think that the Islanders should just you know, throw everything at they can, that they can at this season or next season at this season, mm-hmm. next season, like at just like this little kind of, you know, end of the window here. Uh, because I think logically, like you look at everything and it makes sense, but at the same time, like you just know that how, how this team operates and uh, you know, just, it's just not going to happen at the same time. So that's why it's so frustrating and uh, why I think people feel that, there's only one option or the people that, that mm-hmm. think the Islanders should just kind of tear it down or th- think that's the only option because we haven't seen anything, uh, you know, to, to, to borrow a phrase from, from our man, Elliot Friedman, like the, the, <laughs> the, the in- indicator of future behavior is past behavior. Like we haven't seen that past behavior from Lamarillo that, that he's going to actually, you know, go out <laughs> and take a swing because he hasn't done it with the Islanders. Right. Yeah. Right. His swings have been, you know, again, very smart, very calculated, but, kind of predictable and uh and have worked for the most part at least you know in the last couple of seasons but yeah those those big wild kind of like holy crap kind of moves i don't i don't think are going to happen that, that again that loot doesn't work here anymore and hasn't for some time okay uh let's actually recap these last three games in case anybody is wondering what we're talking about so it was the western conference so the western canada swing vancouver edmonton calgary uh 
they won 6-2 in Vancouver. If you watched the first period of that game, went to sleep and then woke up the next day and was like, how the hell did they win that game? I would not blame you one bit because they were terrible in the first period. They, the, if the Canucks were any other team, and we'll get to one of those teams in a few minutes, that game would have been over in that scenario. But they were only up one nothing uh, after one because c- of a Bo Horvat deflection. This guy is literally pricing himself out of Vancouver, and it's actually hilarious to see. Hopefully he doesn't go to anybody in this division other than the Islanders. But um, Ilya Sorokin was great. Kept the Islanders in it. And then from second to third periods, the Islanders were fantastic. Atu Ratu scored a goal from Ross Johnston. If you had that on your bingo card, uh, congratulations, because I don't think anybody else did. Uh, And then they just kept getting better. J.G. Paggio, like you said, on a power play. Barzell had a great game. He loves playing in Vancouver. He loves kind of sticking it to to the Canucks. He loves playing in front of a lot of his family members. And uh, they just took it to them. And it was actually a lot of fun to see to the point where the next day, uh, I was taking in a lot of Vancouver media because, boy, they were they were not having fun. This Canucks season has been like like a telenovela, basically, and uh, it's just that was just another chapter in in what's gone pretty terrible. But uh, you know, the the first a bad first period again was not what you wanted to see. But you know, ultimately the Islanders played a really good game and and they came back and won. And again, you know, the Canucks are they took opponent they took advantage of a very wounded opponent, which is what the kinds of things we like to see now. Going into Edmonton, the Oilers had lost, you know, whatever it was, like five out of the last six home games. They were kind of struggling a little bit. Again, very wounded opponent. The Islanders did not take advantage. They were, once again, even worse in the first period this time. They were down 2-1. Um, no, excuse me. They were down 2-0. Uh, Barzell made a 2-1 in the second with a with a nice shot. Uh, and then uh, just it never got any better than that. Zach Hyman scored on a breakaway. Sorokin was great. It wasn't his fault. He made 34 saves, but uh, the Islanders barely tested Jack Campbell. They had zero high danger chances for zero. Like that's, I'm not making that up. It's zero, uh, which is embarrassing. Uh, Also embarrassing is the referees gave Ratu a penalty for apparently, I don't know, leaning over too low in a faceoff circle and covering the puck. This was bizarre. And uh, I hope he doesn't have to change his (laughs) faceoff stance because he always kind of looks like that. But, uh, Anyway, aside from a few tries with the empty net, the Islanders really had nothing that game. But then the next day, like you said, it was back-to-back. They go to Calgary, and you think, okay, listen, this, this team is bizarre. They do things in the wrong way. They're going to come out, and they're going to probably win this game. Nope, sorry, 4-1 loss there, too. Um, they were just garbage in the first period. And because the Flames aren't the uh, Canucks, it was 3-0 Calgary. Zach Parisi scored to make it 3-1, and, you, and it stayed that way for a good long time. And you thought, oh, maybe they can come back. But it just never happened. and. Uh, Again, they just they just weren't good enough. Like they just they have no this team has no pure offensive talent to get them that second goal. They made it three two. Now the Flames are on their heels. The Flames very much took their foot off the gas in that game. So the Islanders could have done something. They just didn't, and it was a lot of back and forth and not much going on. Uh, but the real story from that game was Matt Barzell missed it. He's day to day with a lower body injury. Uh, Ratu wasn't even in warmups, and then all of a sudden he was sort of pressed into action. This is where I get a little bit mad because. Uh, I get that he's a rookie. I get that they don't want to put too much pressure on him, give him too much ice time. But like, you're on a back-to-back. You lost the night before. Your number one center is hurt. This guy is an offensive player. What what harm could be done by playing him at at on the top line? Like, I just I just don't understand. Like, I, again, I'm not Lane Lambert. Maybe he didn't deserve it. Maybe he you know was late getting on the bus or something. But this this to me is really where. The Islanders start to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Like they have, they have, they're so rigid in their structure that this guy had to play. And it's bad enough that, like you said, 
you've got Martin, Fashing, Johnston, and uh, you know Watherspoon all in the lineup, plus a bunch of guys who are shooting blanks and it's cold as hell. Dude, just put the kid on on the top line. Like, I don't. What, what what happens? They give up a goal. They give up a bunch of goals anyway. Who cares? I, you know, maybe he scores twice and they lose. You know, four two. So what? Who cares? But like, I don't know. That 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 part is to me like, well, screw it. Just just put him out there. But I don't know. Yeah. That, that you know, would it have helped? Would they have won? Probably not. But this would have given the kid a little bit of something, right? I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> it would, it, I I think that was my biggest frustration with with this entire trip almost like became that you're i mean it, it, i shouldn't say that because there's a lot but uh <laughs> it 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 built to this this game against calgary which which i thought wasn't a must-win game at all like it's not like you're you're on the second leg of a back-to-back and then barzell gets hurt hmm. in my mind that the, the most the easiest decision to make there is like you're yeah you're forced to dress ross johnston and matt martin there or or and, and ratu and and like you you have to dress these guys cuz you don't have enough bodies otherwise like there that's it like you're in Calgary you're not going to be able to call call in um Andy Andrioff and get him from Hershey to, to to Calgary in time for the game so hmm. shorten the bench that's you have a 4 right. day break coming like they're not playing yeah. again till Tuesday so why wouldn't you just be like you know hey Ross you're going Eric Bolton style you're going to play two shifts uh if you want to go fight Milan Lucic for some reason go do it but other than that like <laughs> We're just going to roll with the guys who could score because, especially when you go that's, down, that's like goal they, scorer they, Milan Lucic. By the way, he scored yeah, his first goal. First that goal. Game. Yeah, and I mean th- that was a thing too. Like I actually thought that the Calgary game, in a weird way, was encouraging in terms of how they played. Like, yeah, they played they, well in the second and third periods. That, yeah, they didn't play they that bad. They score. Barlamov was really bad in the first period, like really yes. bad, and and then he gave up that short angle shot to Kadri too. He gave up two two really bad goals and. Yeah. Um, uh, which is you know that happens, and it's you got to be able to bounce back from that from here here and there. But with, when when you're basically relying, your only offense is going to be from Brock Nelson, Zach Parisi, uh, Anders Lee, and JG Pajot. Like it's going to be hard to climb out of that hole, uh, especially when the po- the power play is going the way it did. Um, so why not just you know Lambert seemed to be totally okay with throwing everything in the blender. Um, it points the season pretty quickly. And, and for some reason, that Calgary game, which stood out to me as a, a chance to do it, uh, he didn't do it. And um, But yeah, like that, the, the trip as, in whole, as a whole, going back to Seattle, was just a, an absolute, you know, took the wind right out of their sails. Yeah. Um, the Edmonton game, I thought, like, how, how, it was a couple, like six or seven weeks ago, we talked about how when the Islanders are good, it's so obvious because they're physical, they're in your mm. face, they're, you know, the, you hear the boards banging all night. And and they couldn't have made life easier on the Oilers in that game. Yeah. They couldn't. And this team, like they, they know it. Like that that Jordan Everly clip that's going around about the, the song he wrote with uh, Barzell and Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, that that team, like that song, is probably all about just how they made life miserable for their opposition. And that's all they need to do. Like that's all you need to do in hockey. It's like half the battle is just work hard and make the make be hard to beat. And they just were not. And that's why I think that's part of the reason people are so upset right now. I mean, obviously, it's it's not just that they they went one and three, but also the way they looked in a couple or for the majority of it. Because I think Butch said it right. He, he, you know, even when Butch is getting really mad, he was, he was pretty pissed <laughs> in the booth. Um, he was you know, it's funny. They... Uh, sorry to interrupt, but like, I remember it's funny. Whenever Butch gets mad, 
I remember like Billy Jaffe getting let go because he he was apparently too hard on the Islanders. Like that was that's always been the sort of story. I don't know how accurate that is. And I've always I always know that like Butch has this like reputation for being a big homer and and, you know, only really kind of giving the Islanders a pass. If you still think that you have not watched this team in a very long time because Butch sometimes he gets mad at those dudes. Like he's just angry. Like, no, that's just not a smart play, Brendan. Like, like, all right, Butch, calm down. Uh, <laughs> but it is it is funny to me that like people still think that he's a homer. But man, man, he he gives the Islanders a lot of shit. So yeah. in some games, especially when they deserve it, like when they, they deserve it for games. sure. Like yeah. that's and they have. And and I think right. like I feel like he for for a couple minutes there, especially in the, the, the Oilers game, like he kind of just became the voice of the Islander fan for, for a while. He was like yelling at them and getting mad about the power play and, and all this stuff. I was like, this is, you know, we're right there with you. Right. Uh, and, you know, to just, you know, kind of take wrap this whole trip up and now look forward a little bit, use it to look forward. Like the, we, 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 like I said, we knew this was coming. We said last podcast, things will probably look a little uglier. Um, the next time we talk, we were right. Um, but now like, that's like, it's, it's over. It's in the past. And, and they have 41 games to, to eat, to like go for it. And like, they, they just should like, like, mm-hmm. I don't think like this needs to be rock bottom. Like that's it. Like that there's no other choice, but that, that this, this trip and where they're sitting right now just needs to be, you know, rock bottom for the season. Um, and I, I like to think that it will be because I can't, I can't imagine them, you know, coming home and playing this poorly. Uh, there's, they've been good at home again this season. I think they're 12 and six. Uh, they've got a, a lot of home games left. The, the, the January schedule is really tough, but they're at least at home for a lot of it. Yes. Um, but it's like they, they bounce back pretty well from these spots before in the season. And, you need to like okay, it's recency bias because this just happened. But you also just need to remember, yeah, they had this four game stretch that was really bad. But the stretch before that, they looked really good. They've had really good performances against great teams like Carolina. They beat the Rangers twice. They've uh, beat, you know they came back and beat the Flames that that game. Like they've 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 had this like this, their resume is all over the place because of course they've also taken zero from points from the Coyotes, <laughs> but then they beat the, the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Like they, then they. Right. They, they've taken three out of four points from the, the avalanche. I know that they're not as good as they were last year, but like there, there, there are signs here that this, there is actually a team that you can believe in. Um, but it's just so glaringly obvious. It's just so, you know, right in your face, obvious that something needs to just be changed. And yeah. whether that is just getting healthy, whatever, but like uh, it's, it's, in, it, it they just need some somebody or something to happen where they can kind of just like when pull themselves out of these kind of funks, because yeah. like I said, like there's still a, like a really good team here. They've got the goaltender, they've got the centers, they should have the blue line. They just need something else. And and you just, that's my hope is that, you know, something does change and it's probably yeah. false hope, but like this is the Islanders, the Islanders, what, what else do you know? It's <laughs> an island right. fan, but but false hope. Yeah, I mean that change, and, and that's a good point, and I I agree with you 100. percent I mean that change could consider could potentially come from some of the guys on the roster who who have not had right. the best of seasons, and the two guys that I'm looking at specifically, you mentioned before, Josh Bailey and Anthony Beauvillier. Um, Ethan Sears in his article today at the Post, uh, you know, talked about sort of lose 
um, summer of inactivity for the most part. And he mentioned that, you know, Bailey and Beauvillier combined are making over $9 million a year and they have a combined 33 points. Like Bailey has six goals and, uh, and Beauvillier has eight. And it's like, if you had a guy who was making $9 million and he had 33 points, you'd be like, get this guy the hell off my team. Right. (laughs) This is, and this is two guys. And the thing about Bailey, and again, you know, we've, we've had our say with Bailey for many years and we're not haters. We, we want Josh to succeed. He's played a thousand games for this team, but this is a man playing with less than zero confidence right now. Talk about things that are obvious. This man is out of ideas to borrow a phrase from Jerry Seinfeld. He's got, he's like me in high school levels of confidence right now. There's just nothing going on for this man. And he, there at one point, I forget which game it was. I think it might've been the Edmonton game. He was in his own zone. Uh, he had gotten the puck back because the Islanders had been running around a little bit. He gets the puck. I don't believe anybody was near him or like closing in on him. And instead of like either trying to make a play or trying to get the puck up the ice, which the Islanders are not very good at, their breakouts are terrible, their zone exits are terrible. He just backhand lifts the puck, like pitchforks it, as Doc Emmerich used to say, 200 feet down the ice for an ice. Like without even thinking about trying to do anything else, he's just like, whoop, get it out of the zone. And, and there are too many shifts where the Islanders focus is just get it out of the zone. Just get it out. Like, you know, I mean, the fourth line, that's their thing. It's just get the puck and get it out of the zone and get off. But then by the time the next group comes on, the other team is in their zone already and it becomes the same cycle. Get it out. Get it out. Josh Bailey's number one thing there was just get it out of the zone. And it's like, dude, you didn't even try to break the puck out. You didn't try to like get it to a teammate, an open teammate, maybe for, a you know, a home run pass or something like anything because he's just out of ideas. Like he's just out of confidence. And if one of these two guys catches fire or God forbid, both of them do. Or just improve a little bit. (laughs) Right. It's just something like that would be, you know, if, if Beauvillier, let's say in the next three weeks scores, you know, 10 goals in the next, however many, you know, three, seven, you know, 10 games, let's say he does that, you know, or eight goals in the next 10 games. Like that changes, like you said, that changes the Islanders fortunes dramatically. Yeah. But at this point he's got eight goals and it's 41 games into the season. And it's like, right. dude, and, and like, he's, he's out there trying. He was, he's out. The effort is not a problem with this team. Effort is definitely not a problem. That's the one thing we can definitely say. They're trying, they're trying as hard as they can, but they're just, their offensive talent is, is nowhere near as good as most teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They work hard. And when things aren't falling for them, they're not playing with confidence. They're in a lot of trouble. And that's how yeah. you, you know, you give up, you're down three, one after one and your chances of coming back are nil because you just don't, you just don't have the talent to put the puck in the net. And it's really sad. And to like to, to to build off that, like you think about right now, I think Brock Nelson's in like a nine game goal drought. He's still mm-hmm. playing well, I think. And, um, yeah. He, then you look at Lee. Lee's catching some heat. I don't think he's had his best kind of stretch of hockey since uh, since that Penguins game. But he's he's still on pace for a thirty goal season, right? And <laughs> and he's also playing. He just played two games, I think, with Hudson Fashing, like as one of his line mates. And 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 this is the, the the crazy thing here is I'm not. I think Hudson Fashing has been effective. And yeah. is, is fine, like and, and it's not it's far from the problem. The problem is that when it's Hudson Fashing top six player and not Hudson yeah. Fashing, you know, playing on the opposite wing of Matt Martin on the fourth line or even mm-hmm. like the third line. Like that's that's when you're getting yourself into trouble and they've been forced into this because of the injuries. Yeah. And and or Hudson Fat like when when your top six is even before Barzell was out for Calgary, it was Sezekis Bailey, Barzell, Nelson, Lee, Fashing. Like yeah. Just look at that and you say, okay, how many top six players, legitimate NHL top six players are there? And you'd say Lee, Nelson, Barzell. And that's it. That's three out of your top six. So 
that's that's part that that has a trickle down effect as well. Like that that's why I think you know the the def- defensive numbers have 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 slipped cons- like since Pelic has been out. Well, it's because Pelic when when, when Adam Pelic's in the lineup and so is Ryan Pollock, you can say okay, guess who's going to be playing against Sidney Crosby tonight? It's three and six. Right now, yeah. the Islanders' options like who who who's who played against McDavid? Like I know that the Oilers are home the home team, but if the Islanders had less change, like who are you sending out against their their number one unit? You're definitely not sending out Dobson and Romanov because you know they've they've struggled a bit here, and you're definitely not you know Scott Mayfield and Sebastian Ajo. Yeah, don't think so. So right now, it's like your answer is Ryan Pollock and Parker Watherspoon, or Ryan Pollock and and you know just completely blending the lines. Like this stuff trickles down, and I think that's why the Islanders are struggling right now to begin, to begin with. Like they don't have, like he doesn't Lambert who, who's Lambert going to, he's got one like kind of answer to, to the questions you need to ask in a hockey game, which is what forward, what forwards are you sending out to take like a big defensive zone face off in a one goal game or something? Mm. Cause I think he still has those horses, right? You can send out Peugeot, Parisi and Sezikis or whatever, but the, every other question, I don't know what the answer is. Cause you're, yeah. And and that's the piles up. Who who are you sending out to to get you a goal? Nelson, right. Lee, Barzell, like. But he's that's that leaves you know what on the next line. It's going to be Pajot and Parisi and, and whoever is playing a little bit better between Bailey and and Bovillia. And, and and I mean even the power play shows up like the first unit <laughs> like like the Hudson Fashing is on the power play. Like like yes. what is going on right now? Like Josh Bailey is on the number one unit still. Like this is. Hmm there needs to be other options um, and there aren't right now. And it's, that's what's so frustrating because it, yes, the season is not over. I still believe that this team can, can do something. They can rattle off a hot stretch. They won five games in a row earlier this season. I completely forgot about that. But uh, so, cause they, after they had won three in a row, I think I was watching uh, or listening to something and they're like, well, the Islanders, you know, season high win streak is five games in a row. Like, Get the hell out of here. The Islanders didn't win five games in a row this season. No, they, like, come on. And they did, they won five games in a row at one point. Uh, and, like so, they they've shown that they can do it. They have the goalie who can do it. Like they, Sorokin gives them a chance against any team in the NHL. They could play Connor Bedard and the Team Canada team that we just heard so much all about. <laughs> and then guess what? The Islanders might might actually beat them um, because they have the goalie. So, like, there there is no reason to, to give up. But at the same time, like, there something does need to happen. Like something. I, that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the the Islanders team that I love. We, we, we know why we love this team. Like we, you, it would crush me and it's crushing me right now to talk about Josh Bailey in this way. Yeah. Cause we love him so much. And it's and, and even Bovillier, like, like this guy's been around and he provided one of the best moments of my life. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's crushing to hear it. And like that, that go back to that Everly thing with, with Friedman. Hmm. Like, why do you root for this team? I root for this team more than any team that I, that I can think of because we've this is this group has 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 had a chip on its shoulder for a long time and they galvanize behind that and and they they're good guys and they they've really you know taken to the to to the island like like a team like no other team like this isn't just a place where they're coming for a couple years because they couldn't sign a deal elsewhere the islanders were like had to overpay one extra year or one extra million dollars right this is an andy sutton like this is this these guys have been here and that's why i want like why i want to keep rooting for them and not say you know Oh, maybe the best idea is to trade, you know, trade these guys and, and start over. No, no, that's the last thing I want to see. I want to root for this team because I love this team. Like I love these guys. Um, and that's, but just, they need help. They do like, uh, like it's, it's yeah. so blatantly obvious. 
And so that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for these guys. And I'm also rooting for some other guy to just show up, please. Um, yeah. Yeah. Please. And, and for them, you know, just, just to get through this, this week is going to be harrowing. And, and that's like one thing I like, just really quick before I know we got to get to the yeah. break, but um, you know, I'm, I'm it's Sunday. It's like one o'clock and my whole day today, all I'm thinking about is the Penguins Coyotes game. Right. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm watching every game that they're competing. Like I watched all of the Ranger devils game yesterday and all I rooted for was that game not to go to overtime. And of course it went to overtime. I'm sure I'm, I watched, you know, the, the Sabres and the Capitals I've watched. I'm, I'm just w- watching all these games because you know, like that's, but that's what Islander fans do. Like this, the, mm. it's not, we don't have like the luxury of, of the, the Rangers where we can just be like, ah, eh, like, you know, the, the Rangers are playing, Today, maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I won't. Like, if you're an Islander fan, like, it's a full-time commitment and it sucks. Like, I don't want to watch the Coyotes and Penguins, but I'm going to watch it because, to me, it's like a must-win game for the for the Islanders, <laughs> like the Coyotes to right. win because it just gives them – you can take another deep breath. And, like, do you think any uh, any Penguins fan was watching Flames Islanders at, at 9 o'clock on, <laughs> on, on, on Friday night because that's a huge yeah. game for the Penguins? Like, that was a big result for the Penguins that the Islanders didn't win. Like, Maybe sure. Like maybe I'm not giving them enough credit and there probably were a few, but they, every Islander fan, like so many Islander fans I know are like, like this coyotes, they better win on, on Sunday. Like, mm. please just give us a break. <laughs> like that's, that's the difference. And and that's why it, when we get to these moments, like, like it, it I don't want to say it means more. I think that's, that is like a little cheapening to other fans of other teams, but like the, the it just goes so deep that like, if the Islanders are bad, it, it really, really changes my outlook on just like my day to day life. Right. Oh, so 100%. I don't yeah. want that to happen. That's right. and, and, and during the rebuilding years, like it's hard to stay invested. So like, please just do something, keep this team floating in the right, like in, in the mix so that this, the, the rest of the winter, is just not like it was last year. Cause that was brutal. Yeah, no. And I agree. And I mean, I, I think we're not the only ones who's, mood swing when it comes to you know whether they're good or bad and this week again was particularly particularly awful but at the same time wednesday after beating the canucks was absolutely fantastic because oh, we got to hear a, <laughs> we got to hear a lot of a lot of west coast by the way i just i i do find it funny i mentioned this quickly on on twitter but like there was one recap i read that talked about how the islanders fourth line is known mainly for fighting and i was like <laughs> how many fights do these guys even have combined they have less fights that Nick Delorier has this year. Like Matt Martin had six fights last year and that's the most he's had in, since he played for the Leafs. Like, you know, so, uh, you know, these people were blindsided in many, many ways uh, in that game. So, so that was, that was a great, a great moment. But then, you know, that the Thursday, Friday combo really, right. uh, really sucked. And they had won four out of five. Yeah. That moment, right. <laughs> like that's the crazy thing. Like sure. they, the Islanders went, went into Edmonton winners of four out of their last five. Yeah. And then two losses changed right. the entire complexion now, of everything now all of a sudden they've lost three out of four you know right so it's like yeah uh what are you gonna do anyhow uh, but real quick before we go to the break uh yeah not to just keep harping on the forwards but you you mentioned them before uh romanov and dobson the birthday boys uh have been uh, uh noticeably bad the last couple of games too so yeah. there you go defense <laughs> that's a, that's on you uh but yeah romanov's birthday was friday and uh, noah's was yesterday and mine is today so there you go uh okay uh we are going to take a break and we come back we're going to talk about brock nelson all-star and I'll look at uh, the upcoming schedule, which is uh, very, very uh, uh, eclectic and varied in the uh, opponents. All right. So meet us on the other side. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and jerseys featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor and the Island merch, and our portion of the sales go directly for, to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code ANXIETY to save 15% off your order. Uh, and check out their clearance section, too, because they got a lot of cool stuff in there. It is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They offer a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was named a 2022 Top 100 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. All of them are delicious. They're all priced at less than $15 a bottle and are available at your local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Learn more at ThePinotProject.com. Please drink responsibly. The Anders Lee retro, Reverse Retro Bobbleheads are still available for pre-order from the fine folks at FOCO. Check out the link in the podcast description and at the article at Lighthouse Hockey and uh, get in on that. Again, this is a limited thing, so don't wait. I know it's after the holidays. Money is kind of tight. It's been a couple of weeks, uh, so uh, get in on that and uh, pre-order your Anders Lee reverse retro bobblehead today from FOCO. Uh, okay, so let's talk about something cool. Brock Nelson is going to the All-Star game. Uh, he's having a fine season. Him and really Barzell are the two best offensive uh, players this team has, 38 points in 41 games, 15 goals, 23 assists, which is almost a, a career high for him. Uh, we love Brock. And more importantly, we love different Islanders getting to go to the All-Star game. Adam Pellick experienced it last year. Um, I think Brock is the kind of guy who, if you're into the league and you follow many players and not just you know, one team, uh, he's a guy who stands out and is really, really good. I expect him to, uh, you know, play with somebody like Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin and been like, you know, hear them say stuff like, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's been pretty good for a long time. And, um, you know, Nelson too, is the kind of guy who could just like, I mean, with the, the way the format of the, uh, all-star game is, he's the kind of guy who could just like, you know, score four goals in three of those little mini games. And all of a sudden, you know, be in the running for MVP, it doesn't usually go to guys like him or Islanders in general, but. Uh, I can kind of see that happening too, and him turning some heads. So, congrats to Brock. I hope he enjoys it. Uh, you know, his kids—he's got a lot of kids, and I'm sure they're going to enjoy the experience of watching Dad play in the All Star game. Uh, and so, uh, it, it was very cool. I mean, it was one of those things where, like, well, wouldn't it be cool if Brock Nelson made the All Star team? And when it happened, you were like, "Yeah, that's awesome!" Like, you really felt good for him because uh, this is—he's had a really good year. And as we've talked about many times, you know, under Barry Trotz, since Trotz came over, he's been a different player. And again, I've—I was the guy who wrote when John Tavares left that Brock Nelson is now the Islanders second line center. God help us all. And uh, really, I don't know if I'm not going to say Brock read that or anything, but uh, I was wrong and I'm glad to, have, I've never been happier in a way to be as wrong as I was because uh, he's been great. And really he's 
been the most consistent Islander for a couple of years. So congrats, Brock. Enjoy it. Uh, what were your feelings when uh, you saw Nelson uh, was an all-star this year? Yeah, if, 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 if it feels great because he he's the best. Like, we love Brock. Yeah. And <laughs> he's such a good player, and yeah. he deserves – he's like – he's the type of guy that – whenever I hear other people talk about him and they're like, you know, like Brock Nelson, man, like that guy's great on, on Long Island. Like we don't talk about Brock Nelson enough. I'm like, you're damn right. You don't like this guy, <laughs> even, even when he's not scoring, like he's just so much fun to watch. Cause he is such a hockey player in, 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 in so many different ways. Like he's just always just engaged. He's, you know, mm. giving guys shit all the time. Like that should be there. His, <laughs> his like skills competition thing. Like, he he should just be you know annoying guys on on the other right. team. Um, he's an Islander. He's been here forever, and he gets it. He gets us. He gets a fan base. Um, just, he is just so such a rock for for me in my life. You know, like there's just you just know Brock is gonna be there and he's gonna be good for you, and I and that's very important for everybody. Um, I also was relieved. I was relieved that Ilya Sorokin didn't get get picked in the first round because um, <laughs> I have the the PST, PTSD from DiPietro um, yep. getting hurt in the skills competition, uh, and I just don't ever want to see another Islanders goalie ever go to the All Star game for that reason. <laughs> um, yes, and, agreed. Yeah, like I know that there's a Sorokin vote thing, and look, I, I would love Ilya Sorokin to be you know given his credit to be an All Star. He's the best goalie in the league, I think, and. Uh, God, I love him, and but I just don't want him to go to the All Star game at all. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know it's yeah. almost like people are like, we should do a vote for Ilya campaign. I'm like, I want to do a, you know, vote for Carter Hart campaign or something <laughs> to get someone else in there first. Um, um, I agree. Yeah. So I, you know, because it's it's just not. But uh, and then the last thing I'll say is it was great. Like I love Brock's kind of summary of I guess before he got the official word, Andrew Gross had asked him you know, what, what I mean. And, and he, you know, said great things. And then he's like, and it's, it's going to be great for me, especially because of my kids. And I think that that kind of just sums him up. Like, he's just like, yeah, like, I'm, you know, going to bring my kids down to the all-star game. They're going to watch their dad play with Sidney Crosby. And, and it, it, it did feel like a little bit like the Josh Bailey all-star experience where when he gets announced, people are going to be like, who the hell is that guy? I think Brock's reputation is a little, has gone up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in, in around the league. But like when, it it does it does feel funny like when when these guys go like Pelic Brock and Bailey, uh, you just I would love to be sitting next to you know whoever is down there in Florida when when they got announced and just hear how many people say who's that guy, um, <laughs> yeah but yeah um, I think uh, I think a lot of Panthers fans probably you know still kind of hate the Islanders a little bit for uh, you know some some playoff uh, uh, failures against them so I think a lot of them probably know who who Nelson is, but yeah, you're right. Like there's always that kind of like, you know, it's funny to watch certain guys get booed because of the, the particular, I don't think anybody's going to get booed over there. I mean, maybe some lightning guys, I don't know, but I would assume that there's going to be a lot of lightning fans there. So I don't know. Um, but uh, as far as Sorokin goes, um, I guess, so I guess the, the Metro has to have at least one other goalie, right? Cause uh, Shesterkin got picked for the Rangers. So I'm kind of hoping that between Carolina Pittsburgh and Philly, you've got three sort of high profile teams. Obviously, Carolina's at the top, the Penguins, everybody loves. And then, you know, the, the Carter Hart has actually has a pretty good season so far. I'm hoping those three kind of uh, obfuscate and camouflage Sorokin for the exact same reasons you're talking about. Right. I don't want to see this guy go. However, that being said, if his buddy Sh- uh, Shesterkin is going, 
might not be the worst thing because at least he can he can hang out with his buddy. But then we're going to hear a lot about like, oh, they're friends and they play yeah. for the Islanders and Rangers. So I also don't feel like caring about that. either. <laughs> so yep. we'll see. Hopefully he doesn't go. But again, no offense, but it's not you, man. It's us. Like we just it's don't like, want to. But that's that. like I was talking about <laughs> yeah. the Islander fan kind of. Right. We're not alone. Like I had a lot of people mm. DM me and be like, oh, God, I'm so happy Sorokin's not going. And you know, I posted that picture <laughs> of Rick on, on Twitter and, and a lot of people knew exactly you know, what I was right. even inferring from that picture. And it's just we're different. Like it's different. It's just we're, we're, we're like you, you said it a lot of times in the past. And right. The Islanders fan base is. We're just wounded animals, um, mm. you know, who are, have been abused or whatever. So we just don't, we just don't trust anything um, yeah. or anyone to anything to go our way. You know, someone could, <laughs> someone could be handing us a, you know, a full meal and we'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I mm. trust that, you know, like I'm going to go back in my cage. Um, you know, if you're going to vote for some Islander, uh, make it Ross Johnston, just so yeah. we can maybe get some, uh, <laughs> some John Scott uh, situation going on here. I don't think it'll happen, but uh there you go. Yeah. That would be that would be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the most coverage the Islanders would get. Would be like, well, did the Islander fans just, you know, did they just ruin the All Star experience? Like, yeah. it was funny when when we did vote for Rory, but it's not funny anymore. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that kind of leads us into just one other thing I want to touch on, which is mm. that how how the Islanders' first half was kind of just summed up, um, mm. succinctly. <laughs> is, is succinctly a compliment? Too much of a compliment? Maybe by by their beat writer uh, at the athletic. Cause th- th- there's so much more that happened in the first half than the, this four game stretch. And I think that a lot, a lot of people are kind of just looking at because like recency bias that there's a long break before their next game. And it was the halfway mark. Like, so going into the halfway mark, the Islanders just dropped three or four on a you know road trip where they look pretty, pretty bad for the most part. But it's forty. It was a forty-one game half of of a season, and there were some really highs, big highs, and there were some lows. And um, just just to like slap the this team is 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 you know mediocre or pedestrian or whatever on them because they lost three and four in uh, in Edmonton without like going into like the other stuff is is a little I don't know weird off putting. I, I mean, lazy. there are. They have been mediocre. Like they have been, you know, there are stretches where they're very mediocre, but there have been stretches where they've been really good. (laughs) And like you said, they're missing, you know, especially if Bar, God God forbid, if Barzell misses like serious time, that's going to be a huge problem. But already missing Palmieri, uh, uh, Pellick, and, you know, to a certain extent, Wallstrom uh, has been a real problem. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't think, and this is the article by Kevin Kurz, I I don't, that was on the athletic this weekend. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I didn't disagree with a lot of what he wrote, but at the same time, like there's, there's a lot of other context surrounding this team. And I mean, we just spent 40 minutes talking. Right. Like, there's so well, well I different- guess the best way to put it was like, if you wanted to write that article as the sum up of, of their four game road trip. Okay. Right. But to, to be like, this is like the, here, here's where the Islanders stand after 41 games. I think it was like, Oh, you're missing a lot here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there, a lot of other stuff happened. Like, there's, there's, I don't know. I, it, it was, it's just frustrating because there we we say it all the time, like we're we're sports fans. Like we want to read about our team. We want to talk about our team. When the Islanders beat the Canucks the next day, all I wanted to do was talk about the Islanders. When the Islanders <laughs> lost to the Oilers the next day, all I wanted to do was 
never hear about the Islanders again, but secretly just want to read about the Islanders and, and, and feel that catharsis from, from talking and, and about them and, and reading about them. And what we get from uh, the kind of, you know, big time outlets is zilch, which is whatever. And then what we get from uh, a, a subscription site is, you know, it's not, it's not what you'd want. Right. I, I think is what the, you you want more, right? We we want more. We want people, the, whoever's in that position, to understand what the fan base is like and what this team is like and what it what it means and and where they're at. And I just don't know if you get that. Um, but the other problem yeah. is like you 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 can't <laughs> if you criticize sports sports writers and, and maybe I'm 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 like that too. Like when you you like oh we need feedback. Feedback is a gift, whatever. And then you you comment and like man, the story you know, is is underwhelming. <laughs> in so many words, maybe not that kindly. And then these sports writers, uh, and we saw a great example of it. I think you were the one who tweeted about <laughs> with the Patrick Kane mouth guard story. Yeah. Like, and then they're like, Oh, well you just don't get it. Like this is, this is a, this is, this is a lighthearted story. Mm. Not my college thesis. Like, yeah. Uh, someone's just telling you the story sucks. I think that's okay. Like you, you were going to write 30 more this year and, and a couple of them are going to suck too, because that's just how it works. This week also saw the publishing of an article about Brian Trottier and how he was like, you know, voted by the athletic as like the whatever 38th or something best player in the history of the NHL. And the article was 5,000 words about Brian Trottier playing guitar and liking music, which is a very cool thing, but doesn't really explain why this guy was so great. And if you looked in that article for stories about his time with the Islanders, you were going to come up empty. Because we only talk to a bunch of penguins and uh, ex-penguins and current penguins. And, you know, I, I, I was I was flabbergasted. <laughs> it's like, this is the Brian Trottier article. Like, you know, the Islanders hadn't had a guy on that list. And listen, it's a stupid list. I don't really care. And the only one I've read prior to Trottier article was the Billy Smith article, which I thought was pretty good. You know, like, at least it talked about his time with the Islanders, of course. You know, it, it'd be like Billy Smith talking about Billy Smith's time with the L.A. Kings. Like, what is this, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, it was it, it was a banner week for... Oh, but then, you know, as, as Mike has alluded to a couple of times, if you haven't watched it yet, um, uh, uh, Elliot Friedman did an, uh, an interview with Jordan Eberle when the Kraken were playing the Leafs. And it, it talked he talked a lot about his time with the Islanders and, and had some cool loose stories and played this song that he wrote with uh, Anders Lee and, and Matt Barzell in the bubble. And I mean, none of these guys are you know, Elton John or anything like that, but uh, it was, uh, it was a cool song and it's going to make you weep for, you know, that, that team, that yeah. bubble team, that playoff team and the team saw, after. And... Someone responded. I just felt all five stages of grief watching this video. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to sum it up <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it really did just, it hit home and it, yeah. and I do think it actually was perfectly timed for, mm. for where we are right now, because it, it just reminded me like why, I just can't give up on this team. And like, even if it's foolish or whatever, like I, I don't care because I, I want to root for these guys. Cause we call them the uncles. I actually texted Freeman afterwards. I was like, that was, you know, great. I'm shattered. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I knew you'd love it. And I told him how we call these guys, the uncles. And he's like, that's great. Like I might borrow it or whatever. I said, he's, he's got our permission. And, but what it, all it did was just remind me of just why we like this team so much and like how much, the post Tavares situation, like how it just deepened so mm. many people's relationship with the Islanders because it was such a, you know, double middles to the rest of the 
entire kind of world. Like they're still here. They're still relevant, whatever. And I, I just don't want it to end. And, and may, like I said, maybe that's foolish and, and maybe the Islanders should do it and we'll find out eventually. But I don't want to give up on these guys. They're the best. Like I, I don't want, like even Josh Bailey, who I've given up on every, I'm like, I'm, every game I go into it and I just think maybe this yeah. is the one where he turns it around. And then I watch him on like the second shift turn a puck over along the boards and, and you're like, oh my God, here we go again. And But guess what? <laughs> When, 24 hours later when they're playing the flames i'm sitting there thinking you know maybe this is bailey's this is where it turns for yeah. him uh yeah. and i'm gonna think that on tuesday when they play the stars and then he's yeah. gonna turn the puck over and i'm gonna have to do it again on thursday yeah um it, it's ironic by the way too that it made me the song and the interview with everly and you should definitely all seek it out i'll put a link to it in the it, at lighthouse hockey too um it it did make me nostalgic it made me very weepy uh love love everly obviously and that whole crew but I definitely found the irony in that this is, I think, the most time that Friedman had spent talking about that Islanders bubble team at any point. And it's like right. four years later. Right? Like, which which is funny, about- too, because right. he kind of understood the context of them. He was like, yes, like, what, what, you know, that team was so special for some like, you know, and, and, right. and I was like, wait a minute. Why didn't you say this when it was happening? It, you're right. Yeah. We were too busy talking about, you know. The, the Leafs all wearing, you know, masks or, you know, the same shirt or whatever <laughs> right. coming in and like, you know, so now, now that team is special. Whereas at the time it was like, oh, well, you know, you give them a lot of credit. They, 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 they gave Tampa okay. a, a lot of, okay, well, thanks. It's, but anyway, uh, but forget about all that. Check it out. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So you brought up, we got to talk about the upcoming schedule Tuesday against Dallas, seven thirty. uh, Thursday against Minnesota, seven thirty. Fun juxtaposition there. Stars, f- former North Stars and current North Stars, I guess. And then Saturday uh, against the Habs, which is a seven o'clock start. Um, this is, again, a very varied group of teams here. The Stars have had a really, really great season. They're leading the Central Division right now. Jason Robertson has been on fire for most of the season. So don't sleep on Dallas if you've been sitting around. Minnesota has also been pretty good. I think they're in third, maybe, in the, in the Central right now. I will never be impressed with the Minnesota Wild. I'm sorry. I'm still in very much like Jacques Lemaire, Manny Fernandez mode. Yeah. I get it. Kaprizov is great. Flurry just, uh, you know, sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's not so good. Um, I will never not see the Wild as a beatable team. I'm sorry. I, I might be wrong, but, you know, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Islanders can beat them. And the Habs have just, they have struggled mightily this season. And the Islanders always struggle mightily against the Habs. Because they always play them as if it's 1977, uh, but those days are long gone. And uh, you know that is clearly the most winnable of these three games. But uh, you know, I, I don't know. And like you said, if they come out, let's say, all right, you got three games here. Let's say they take you know five out of six points. Like that completely changes the exact the entire narrative of this team going right. forward. And we're back here next Sunday before a, a huge four game week, which is even <sighs> more difficult, really, than this one. Uh, talking about things very differently so yeah you know and 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 to to go back to what i was saying kind of about like how like the life of an islander fan is is not the same as another one as another fan base like i've i've war gamed out every other like team that we're facing or or you know battling with in the playoffs like their schedules Mm. and somehow the rangers and the capitals are playing like the blue jackets three times each like the blue jackets are basically just traveling between like washington and new york (laughs) and the, the canadians are like the other are do, like the Rangers play the Canadians a couple times this week. And mm. um, it's just, it's, it's the, the Islanders, the timing is, is tough because the Islanders schedule is really tough these next, you know, three weeks to close out January. Whereas the, the Capitals and Rangers have pretty, pretty soft, uh, a little soft 
of a much softer run in than the Islanders right. and, and the Penguins have a pretty favorable schedule too. Like they play the Coyotes today and then the Canucks and they've got a couple games with the Senators who whatever, but um, that doesn't matter if they win. So the, like you said, the stars are a tough team. The, 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 the wild are a tough team. The Islanders are probably going to be a slight underdog at home to yeah. both these teams. Um, but they just need to, they need to somehow find a way to get at a bare minimum two points out of these next two games and then beat the Habs. These next three games, like like you said, I think it's it's five. Five really should be the minimum. I think the Islanders can get go two and one, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and feel okay. Like they could be in the same spot because in my mind, the goal for January is just not cede any more ground to where where they are right now. Because yeah. you just look at the schedule and you know, like if the Islanders can get through these next three weeks, like you you alluded to, like the next week they have the Capitals, the Bruins, and the Sabers on a back to back, then the Hurricanes, three out of four of those at home. Then they travel mm-hmm. to Toronto, Ottawa, and then they play a back-to-back at home against Detroit and Vegas. If they can get through this stretch of games n- within you know two or three points of a playoff spot or in a playoff spot, I actually think that is fine because they just they need to just continue to just stay with the pack because yeah, like there's like we've said a hundred times on the show, like I can't give up on this team, and if they can get through <laughs> January. And we're still saying the same thing, and the season isn't over. I'll be thrilled, like because because <laughs> right now it just feels a lot more doomsday than everything, and I think that's right. a lot of with just about with the way the team's been covered coming out of the stretch yeah. when we're in. So that's my hope. Like get through this week with a little bit of momentum going. You, if they come out of that, if they come out on that Dallas game and and are just played off the park, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> just absolutely lose it because yeah. if they're not angry and they're not coming out, you know, on the same page in sync and working hard, uh, if they look like the team that played against Edmonton and, and the first period against Vancouver and Seattle, I'll, I, then I'll be like, this is an absolute indictment on, on basically everybody involved. Uh, yeah. So let's hope it's not. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's this, this, this stretch goes well, but uh, I, I don't, I, I always say like, I don't feel as negative as I thought I would if you, if on Sunday when we last recorded before, after the cracking game or whatever, uh, if you had said like the honors go one, three on this road trip, how you feel? I think I would have said, I would probably be really, really upset, but I actually don't feel as, as, as uh, hopeless as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to build on that and, and look forward to these games rather than, uh, you know, be afraid of them because uh, it it does start. It's starting to feel like you need to just enjoy this 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 group to, fighting for its life because it's this is probably it for them. You know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would have looked back at this time or looked at this time, you know, before the season and been like, "Yep, that's the make or break week of the season." Dallas, Minnesota, Montreal. Right, right. <laughs> like, it's just such a an odd collection of teams. But you're right. I mean, they got 11 games left in the season. Eight of them are at home. And I mean, you look at this entire schedule and you can you can come up with reasons for them to to be confident in any of these games, even, you know, the game in Toronto or the game in, you know, they've they've won in Toronto before they've, you know, they've won in Buffalo before they've beaten Carolina this season. They've beaten Vegas. They they have a reason to want to beat Detroit because they lost there earlier you know, this season. So, you know, every one of these games, the caps are going to be right there. So, I mean, yeah, they're getting uh, Backstrom and. Uh, Wilson back, but I mean, the Islanders never need any extra in motivation to want to beat the Capitals. So, 
you know, there's a case to be made that they can beat all these teams. They 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 gave the Bruins hell last time. I mean, they lost in the shootout, and it's about as good as you can do against that team this year. So there is re- there are reasons to be confident going in. But yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, now I'm dreading that Dallas game because if it looks anything like <laughs> the last three right. games they've played out west, you know, it's going to get real ugly. And and you know, then even if you come back and and beat Minnesota, that's great, but. You know, you, you can't be giving up too many points. And then that game against the Habs, that might be the worst because if you don't beat that team, you're, you know, that's the indictment right there. Like Dallas is at least really good. So I get, you know, there's a case to be made that that's going to be a hard game, obviously. But man, if they come out with anything other than two points against the Habs, yeah. you're just going to look back and be like, exactly. what are we doing out here? <laughs> like, I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's that's that's what you know. It feels a little bit like that Blue Jackets game the other day, where it's like you're right, you, yeah. You just you just need yeah. to take care of business in that one. And- but but then again, they've also played the Predators twice, lost them both. Played the Coyotes twice, lost them both. So, played the Panthers, and yeah. who are having the worst season they've had in years, lost them both. So yeah, it's a lot of going on. But anyway, well, there's a lot to chew on. So uh, have a good week, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to be back on Friday with a great new episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast. Uh, with a player who uh, this show is basically built and designed for. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, we're going to record it tomorrow night with a, our special guest, returning guest. So uh, with that, look for that on Friday. It's going to be a good one. Reminder that February 1st is uh, season two of Islanders Award winners. Working on the last episode of that right now. So uh, it's going to be, you know, I guess not, I guess eight episodes. I was yeah, eight or eight or nine. It, it started out as a lot less and then a couple of them became two part episodes. So I, completely forgot how many actual episodes it is, but uh, they'll be coming out weekly all through uh, February and March. So uh, February 1st look for that. Uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. And uh, Michael Leboff, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The, uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Just support him any way you can. Uh, and uh, you had a great thread. I'm going to throw that in there about uh, the Islanders at the, the halfway point too. So I uh, want to get that in there too. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. And we'll, uh, we'll see where the Islanders are at after this, uh, again, very, very strange collection of uh, home games. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.